welcome. You are listening to Zeal Fear House. I am your host, David Murray, and I'm joined with Dorothy Carruthers. Her focus here is on our relationship with our Heavenly Dad and all aspects of His kingdom, moving in greater intimacy with Him. Additional teachings, books, and articles may be found on my website at www.dwmurray.com. That's dwmurry.com. Again, thanks for joining us, and let's get rolling with this week's broadcast. Well, thank you for joining us. This is Blog Talk Radio. I'm David Murray. This is Yield for Your House, and I'm joined with Dorothy Carruthers. Dorothy, how are you doing tonight? I am doing well, David. How are you doing? I'm doing, uh, I'm doing fantastic. I'm actually really excited to talk about uh, the meat of the word. Uh, one of the things that the Lord has been laying upon my heart uh, for this season, coming into 2018, is to begin teaching the body of Christ and transitioning to some more of the meat of the word. So congratulations to all of us for continuing to grow and, and embrace our identity in Christ, uh, what and who we are in the Lord, and, and what the blood of Jesus Christ has done for us. So, um, some of the, the media things we're be getting on is, is taking some of the things that we know and applying it to our walk and applying it to uh, true spiritual warfare. And the reason why I say true spiritual warfare is because uh, much of the body of Christ, we've been taught this kind of defeatist. Satan is so big, you know, this dumber third army of. Uh, angels that got thrown out of the head which is suddenly so big and and really just because we haven't been taught our identity in Christ um, the way the first century church knew their identity in Christ and we kind of exalt them to being these special anointed people when really we just uh, lowered our standards for ourselves and God's kind of doing away with that. He wants us to begin moving in our full identity and moving in the signs and wonders nature and above all the love of the Lord Jesus Christ and all that we do. So what does it have to do with tonight? We're going to be talking about um, spiritual activities, insights for 2018, and directly related to um, spiritual warfare. Uh, are we moving by the kingdom of the Father, or are we unknowingly uh, partnering with Satan in witchcraft? And the way that we're going to be addressing that is through the spirit of offense. So we're going to hop into that. The first thing, guys, we're going to talk about for the spirit of fence is what is it? What's its purpose? What's the doorway that allows these demonic entities to operate through our lives, through our family members, and through the body of Christ in this hour? And how do we overcome it? Right? Simple stuff. We want to recognize it and be able to deal with it decisively. Before we get into this, guys, I want to talk about something that's uh, really important. Just my mic here for a second. We have to understand that in the New Covenant, the New Covenant is defined as when the Holy Spirit comes to live inside every believer that confesses Jesus came in the flesh and died for our sins and that we accept that free gift of salvation. When that happens... The Bible says that the Holy Spirit comes to make his home inside of our spirit man and is the deposit guaranteeing the fullness of what we will have when we are resurrected with a glorified body and enter into perfect union in spirit, soul, and glorified body with the Lord. That is defined as the new covenant. And since the day of Pentecost, that for the past 2,000 years is the covenant we are living in until the Lord's return which will begin another age, the millennial age. So how does this, uh, what does this have to do with the spirit of offense? Because what we must understand, guys, and we're going to hit this real quick, what we have to understand is the new covenant, the foundation for the new covenant is the greatest foundation, the greatest revelation out of all of the covenants made with mankind since the Garden of Eden, right? The seven major covenants that were given. We tend to, to either know the Mosaic Covenant or the New Covenant. 
there's approximately seven other covenants that God made with, with man, all of them progressively pointing toward the new covenant that we now live in. Right? The scriptures say that the men of old longed to look into the things. They, in Hebrews 11, the hearers of faith long to have what we have. And even angels long to look into the, the full expression of the new covenant. Well, that's us, guys. We get to enjoy what no other covenant or dispensation of mankind gets to enjoy. It is founded on the very nature of God himself. It is founded upon the law of love. Guys, we have to get this into our wheelhouse. We have to understand the reason why no other covenant was based upon the law of love is because no other covenant gave us the capacity. We were not equipped to stand in the very nature of God, to stand in the law of love, because we did not have the empowerment of God living in us. So that's, that's something we could just meditate on. Let it sink in. The new covenant is the law of love. No other covenant was based upon the law of love. That's why Jesus said in Luke ten twenty seven that all of the other covenants, including the law, the Mosaic law, which was only given to show man what they've forgotten, that you can't earn salvation. Jesus said in Luke 10, 27, love the Lord with all your soul, your heart, with all your strength and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. It's based upon love, love toward God and love toward man. Okay? John fourteen fifteen and John fourteen twenty three say, here's how you'll show you love me, by loving one another. And here's how you'll show you love me if you keep my commands. Now, a lot of times we look at commands and we start pointing toward different covenants. But that's because we haven't been taught and haven't been reminded that the new covenant is the covenant of love. All of the other covenants are summed up in what Jesus told his audience in Luke 10, 27. Love the Lord and love your neighbor as yourself. And then one of the men went on to justify himself or attempt to justify himself and said, oh, yeah, well, who's my neighbor? And Jesus went on to tell the story of the good Samaritan. And as we know, Samaritans were hated by Jews. And yet the Samaritan showed the greatest love to that beaten up um, Israelite. And that was a picture of how much love we're meant to walk in and since the day of Pentecost, are equipped to walk in. So we must remember that, guys, when we start to lose our way here, the new covenant with the Holy Spirit in us, if we have accepted Christ as our Savior with a heartfelt, sincere confession, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, we are equipped and commanded to seek the Lord in all of our being and find out what stands in our way to allowing the power of his nature to flow out of our spirit, man, and out through our mind, will, and our emotions with our bodies ultimately moving according to the desires of our Father's heart. Right? So, how does this fit into the spirit of defense? Well, let's get into it, guys. And please, everything we talk about is going to go back to that foundation, love. We are equipped and told that all the commandments are summed up in love. So what is it? What is offense? The word offended means resentful or annoyed, typically as a result of a perceived insult. Okay, resentful or annoyed, typically as a result of a perceived insult. In simple terms, guys, offense is to become hurt or angered or annoyed, right? Street talk, for those of us that are blue-collar from the streets, right? Well, we'll clean it up. We'll say we just ticked off at somebody, Right? person who's really grinds our gears. Uh, that's what it means to be offended. Now, here's the thing. 1 Corinthians 13, the entire chapter, the New Covenant chapter given to born-again, New Covenant, Spirit-filled believers, which we hear at every wedding that we're so quick to recite, tells us that love keeps no record of wrongs. So one of the ways we want to know if we're walking by the commandment of Jesus when he said, keep my commandment, keep the law of love, if we are re remembering offenses 
we are in violation of Jesus' commandment. We are in violation of his nature and his commandment to keep the law of love. Now, guys, here's the thing. For those of you who have been listening to me the last few years, and even those that are tuning in new, and I'm just so blessed by so many of you guys that, that reach out to me and, and are patient in my replies and getting back to me and, and uh, you know, checking out on my website and the blog and the things that I write, that I, I write on there. Um, you guys know one of the things that I do in the body of Christ is Father challenges me in areas, and he tells me, David, pass things on to the rest of your brothers and sisters as we're all in this together. My goal and the goal of Father's heart is to never judge or condemn or blame. It's to show the love of the Father. It's to teach us and then remind us who we are because of the gift of righteousness that was given to us on the cross. Right, so it's, it's not me that's giving this unique word. It's just it's the word of God that simply is not taught much in regard to our identity in Christ, righteousness, and that our self-worth comes from his gift of making us fully pleasing. In Colossians 1.22, 2 Corinthians 5.17, and 2 Corinthians 5.21, great verses to look at. Um, Hebrews 10.10, these all say that we are made holy, blameless, and righteous, and that we're fully pleasing and love to God. So how does this fit in with getting offended? Well, simply put, it doesn't. <laughs> we'll get to that. All right, so the spirit of offense. The word of God says that at 1 Corinthians 13, there's no record of wrongs. So how is it that Satan is able to get in there? And what's the purpose? Well, let's start with the purpose. The purpose of a spirit of offense is to sow division. A house divided cannot stand, scriptures say. Jesus taught on this very explicitly. A house divided can't stand. One of the main reasons why the body of Christ in the United States cannot stand is because we are a divided house. We have one father and one Lord, many children under one house, and that house is divided. And the spirit of offense is running rampant in this generation and is run rampant in 2017 and is carrying over and intensifying into 2018. We are offended with one another and we're looking to blame, judge, and point fingers at one another. And again, there's no shame in that, guys. These are works of the enemy. This is not who we are. This is beneath our calling. This is beneath how Father sees us. Our actions and our beliefs don't make us any less pleasing in the eyes of the Father. It makes the actions unpleasing. We, as redeemed children, are forever holy and sanctified. But our actions and thoughts are a different story. The Father is calling us to clean up our thoughts and actions so that we may live worthy to the high calling that we were called in. The purpose is very simple. Proverbs 18.19 gives us a very, very vivid warning. A brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city, and contentions are like the bars of a citadel. That's Proverbs 18.19. A brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city or a stronghold or a fortified city, and contentions are like the bars of a citadel. One of the reasons why in Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, the scriptures say that the Lord detests discord. He detests it. It is a stench in his nostrils. Is because offense and discord is a very violation of his nature. It is the very violation of the nature of our Father. Division, offense, is what started the angelic rebellion in heaven. Satan started it then when pride rose up in his heart because division within the spirit realm in heaven, and ever since that time that he got thrown out, his recruited, dumber one-third fallen angels have carried out his mission to deceive in order that he may cause division to turn the hearts of God's creation away from him. And here's the thing we've got to remember, guys. 
Division and discord and strife and bondage doesn't start with the lost. It starts with the church. Because Satan knows the only ones that have the power of the kingdom living inside of them is the church. The Holy Spirit came down 2,000 years ago. He's not up in heaven. He's down here living in a fearful, broken, offended, wounded, angry, judgmental church. And he is, with all of his being, desiring that we should pick up his cross, pick up his yoke, and allow the Holy Spirit to begin healing us and changing our thinking. Every split in the history of church, guys, can be traced back to this low-level spirit. Fracturing of the body of Christ, fracturing of unity, glorifies Satan. No matter what we try to hide it under, being offended, pointing fingers, glorifies Satan. And if we cannot learn how to speak the truth in love, then we have, uh, we have some self-examination to do. Jesus and Paul and really the Holy Spirit said to judge yourselves so that you don't come under the discipline of God. And so let's look at the doorway. What is the doorway of how the spirit gets in? I won't get into too much uh, spiritual warfare. I, I think um, there's a place for it, certainly. It's scriptural. It's biblical. Uh, there's a place for it, but uh, we have to make sure that we are meditating more on who lives inside of us than these fallen angels that, that are unworthy to stand in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And since the presence of the Holy Spirit lives in us, these demons are unworthy to stand in our presence. That's why as we get a hold of understanding who lives inside of us, healing, manifesting healing, manifesting his nature through his gifts, um, starts to become first nature, let alone second nature, because we start to walk in our identity and, and darkness cannot exist in the realm of the kingdom. Darkness cannot resist. If you turn on a lamp, darkness doesn't swallow up that lamp. Right? That's a spiritual and physical principle that will never change. Light re- repels darkness. So you ever say, Lord, I want to get more results with something. Start to learn who lives in you. And, and we don't need to be so focused on where we fall short because we were made righteous in his eyes. The Holy Spirit never leaves us or forsakes us. He's in us. So what's the doorway? The bottom line, guys, the doorway to this spirit, what happens is, is that you have this low-lying spirit, right? And I've seen the spirit many times. One of the things that having discernment of spirits, uh, a lot of times I'll get the names of spirits, I'll see the names across or over people, um, most of the time, I just can see this, uh, this, this spiritual entity, whether it's angels or demons, as, as, we, as we naturally grow in our identity in Christ and grow in communion, the, the realm of the spirit becomes more and more open to us. We're, we're meant to live under an open heaven. We're meant to live in the realm of our Father. This is biblical. This is scriptural. This is what the Bible tells us. We are present tense, seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Um, from being seated in heaven, we're meant to carry out the will of the Father on the earth, which is to destroy the works of the devil. That was what Jesus commanded us to do in his name before he left. And he said, well, well, hold on. Don't start yet until the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you. Then you'll be equipped. Then the new covenant will start. And uh, <clears throat> what happens is you have this twisted little of a demon, a low-lying spirit doesn't have much authority at all. And what he does is he will come up alongside of us and he will identify what areas of our thinking move contrary to the Word of God. I'll give you an example. Uh, If I struggle with insecurity, if I struggle with thinking people don't like me very much, or I don't like myself very much. Nothing is hidden in the realm of the spirit. You can't hide. Right? There's no, there's, there's, nothing is hidden. So uh, 
when our beliefs, we inhabit the, th- the things that we believe and embrace, whether they're of God's worth and his nature and his kingdom or Satan's words and his kingdom, his words is truth. Whatever is our truth, whatever we embrace, creates the atmosphere, the spiritual atmosphere in which we live. That's why some of us can go into a room and we can see that there's spiritual, you know, darkness or there's bondage there or whatever, we, you know, um, and we go into another place where we can sense the light and the love of the Holy Spirit. Because the atmosphere around us is cultivated by what comes out of our mouth. Right? The scriptures say, out of, out, of, out of the tongue comes forth both life and death. The power of life and death is in the tongue. And as a man thinks within himself, so he is. How we think and how we speak creates the atmosphere that either draws the kingdom of the Father and his angelic host or draws demons into our presence. So already we can start to see even a greater reality of how a spirit of offense, when we begin to think and feel and speak offended or angry, we're starting to draw unclean spiritual atmosphere unclean hosts around us, right? Do they have any power over us? No. All they do, they take what we give them. And so if I'm someone who struggles with insecurity, what will happen is this low-line, low-level, low-authority spirit will come to me and say, hey, David, see that person over there? See how they, they, you know, they didn't uh, say such and such to you or they said this or that to you? You know, that, you know, really, they don't, they don't respect you. They think you're a piece of garbage. And David, I know you don't really think very highly of you, so they're just reinforcing who you are. See, what happens is, and I can give a bunch of scenarios, the spirit will speak the same way that Satan spoke to Eve in the garden. This low-lying spirit will speak with the same agenda in which Satan had the audacity to speak to Jesus in the desert. Right? They will speak twisted words to see if our mind comes into alignment with God's truth or whether we accept lies and we partner with Satan. That's really how every demonic assignment works. And once we begin to understand how simplistic the demonic assignments that come against us work, we'll realize how easy it is through the authority of Jesus and through changing our mindset it is to take dominion over these things. So the spirit will throw out words that reinforce a lie, a hurt, a wound, a false belief about myself. And I either have a choice in that moment to either reject it and begin confessing what God says about me, or I can begin meditating on that lie, meditating on those poisonous words. And when I receive it, it opens up my soul, my mind, will, and emotions to now receive external information that are outright lies. Once that happens, and I've begun to accept them, embrace them, and walk in them, now I am inviting a demonic atmosphere around me. And now my words will speak the poison of Satan to those around me. And what we have in the body of Christ in this hour is a bunch of pockets of curses being spoken against one another. And here's the thing with curses. It just doesn't, demonic atmosphere, they're, they're not really partial. They really, they hate all of us. They, they don't really like any of God's creation. They can't stand us. Uh, that's why they're relentless and tireless to try to see how many of us they can get to go to hell. And if they can't get us to reject salvation, they'll get us to be as miserable in this life as, as we allow them to make them. And part B, to make us as ineffectual to carry out the will of the Father to redeem mankind. And if we think about it, we look around and, and, and we kind of see what's going on in this generation, uh, this weak, defeated army is doing a great job of getting the church to believe their lives and to feed off of this poison. And... Uh, so that's what the doorway is. The doorway is, uh, James 3.16 says, where there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there will be disorder and every evil practice. You catch that? Let me read that again. Where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. Another word for disorder is disunity. And every vile practice is every unclean practice. 
doesn't start with our actions, guys. It starts with the motive of our heart and our belief system. And what we tend to like to do is we like to focus on our actions because we can focus on our actions. We can kind of ignore what's going on in our heart, but that's really all Father really cares about. That's why the Holy Spirit lives in us. That's why it says we're under a better covenant because the old covenant did not have the power to change us. See, guys, that's one of the greatest accusations Satan has against Father God was that Jesus can redeem God's creation, but he can't change his creation, his nature. That's why the Holy Spirit was given to us. That's why the prophecies in Jeremiah and Ezekiel after they're done talking about the judgments to come, talk about what God was going to give his creation. A new heart, a new mind, and a new being. So we're focusing on the judgments to come more than we're focusing on receiving the fulfillment of the promise through the cross. We're out of balance. We have to look at the motive of our heart. What offense have we held on to for the last week, month, decade, since childhood? Right? What's motivating us? What areas are we living in perpetual offense with one another? Or why are we so easily offended with one another? Guys, here's how we overcome a spirit of offense. And offense, the bottom line, is directly rooted to trying to find our own value in the eyes of others, this comes from believing the lie that our self-worth goes up or down based upon how well we behave or how well others treat us. It's a works belief system. You say, well, it's not works into salvation. Satan doesn't care. If we only get to embrace that there's no works for salvation, but he gets us to embrace that this works for our identity. He's, he's, he's done his, the next number one, uh, number two thing on his agenda. Number one, keep you in hell, get you in hell. Oh, that didn't work. Number two, I'll get it so they never know their identity and they begin to think that I'm bigger than Christ. We say, well, that's not true. That's blasphemy. Oh, well. Do we live like Christ is bigger in us? Do we live like we believe Jesus is bigger than this fallen creation and Satan. And scriptures say wisdom is proved right by her actions. It's not what we say we believe. It's what's going on in our heart that will ultimately manifest whether we live in the kingdom of love, whether we're fulfilling the commandment of love, or whether we're fulfilling Satan's commandments and Satan's agenda and Satan's covenants that Adam made with him. So how do we overcome it, guys? And we'll wrap this up. Guys, here's a kingdom principle. Uh, I'm very big on principles and proper biblical interpretation, as you guys know well by now. Proper uh, biblical principles, interpretations, um, is what allows us to fulfill the mandate by Paul to rightly divide the Word of God. There's a wrong way to divide the Word of God, and there's a right way to divide it. We are called to be scholars of the Word, and then we're called to apply it so that we live as citizens in heaven, not ignorant of who we are. Right? Kingdom principle here. Scriptures, when the context of what we're talking about, can be broken down into two categories. One is spiritual understanding. Scriptures give spiritual understanding. They teach on the kingdom. They explain the kingdom. They give a kingdom truth. Okay. Um, I'll come back to some examples, try to think of some examples. The first one is that there's, scriptures give spiritual understanding. The second is that other scriptures give spiritual roadmaps. Okay, one gives understanding, the other gives application. We never attempt to apply something, apply a scripture, until we have understanding. 
Okay, we have to have understanding, and only when we have spiritual understanding of a scripture are we then to actually apply scripture. Otherwise, we get the confusion and the false doctrines and, and the mixing of covenants and all sorts of silly nonsense. Because we attempt to apply scripture, we attempt to have application without understanding. Let me say it one other way. The difference between two types of verses is one tell us what to do, the other verses tell us how to become empowered to do it. Right. Here's an example. Talk about how we overcome the spirit of offense. Ephesians 6.10 says to put on the full armor of God. That context, uh, Ephesians uh, chapter 6, the context gives us understanding that there is a spiritual warfare that's going on and that there is the need to put on spiritual armor, okay? That scripture verse, that chapter Paul's teaching on is giving spiritual understanding. He's saying, hey, guys, you need to understand there's a spirit realm, there's spirit beings, there's spiritual entities that you're fighting against, and so you need to put on spiritual armor. Here's an important key, guys. In Ephesians 6.10, Paul is giving a spiritual understanding Nowhere does he tell us in Ephesians 6.10 how to do it. Right? Think about how many times we've been taught, well, let's put on the full armor of God. I'm putting on the helmet of salvation. I'm putting on the breastplate of righteousness. I'm putting on the gospel of peace. And we think that quoting the scripture actually puts on our armor. And I mean, speaking in love and speaking frankly, that, that is just ridiculous, right? <laughs> Saying I, pull on, I, I put on the armor of God, 610, I put on the helmet of salvation. Well, what's the helmet of salvation? What's the breastplate of righteousness? What's having your feet shod in the gospel of peace? What, what does that mean? How do we apply that? Ephesians 610 gives us understanding of what's going on. 2 Corinthians 10.5 tells us how to apply it. Ephesians 6.10 tells us we need to put on armor, gives us understanding. 2 Corinthians 10.5 actually tells us how to apply the armor of God, how to actually walk in that. And for those of you not familiar with 2 Corinthians 10.5, I'm going to read it. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself up against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Let's back up to verse 3, just so we know we're talking in context here. Right? Ephesians 6, talking about the spiritual armor. 2 Corinthians 10.3, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare, right? It's referencing Ephesians 6. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, meaning earthly or physical realm. That's what that word means. But mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and everything that exalts itself up against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Guys, here's what I want you to hone in on, how we overcome the spirit of offense. Is 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, we, it pulls down strongholds. What are the strongholds? They are the strongholds of arguments, knowledge, and thought. That's what 2 Corinthians 10.5 says. The strongholds are arguments, knowledge, and thought. Every discussion, every piece of knowledge, and every thought must be brought to the cross and conform to the truth of God's nature and his word. So if we are feeling offended, what we have to look at is what am I agreeing with that's causing me to get offended. The first thing we have to do is get our thinking right. We must make a decision of whether or not we're going to draw our self-worth from this world whether our self-worth is going to come by how people respect us. Bottom line, does my self-worth come from what my heavenly dad says I am 
as a redeemed child clothed in the perfection of Christ? Or am I going to say, no, I'll re- I'm going to receive your salvation, but I'm going to reject your righteousness that you've given me. And I'm going to go find my self-worth by what, what the world says about me. That's the first thing we had to do is we had to make a choice. Everything, every part of our battle, this spiritual battle, comes down to the mind, and it comes down to choice. And when we stand before the Lord, guys, we're going to give account for every choice that led to every motive and action that we performed. It's the choice of what we choose to believe that Father God is interested in changing in our hearts. The second part is after we've got our thinking right, because we are going to get our thinking right, we are not going to allow ourselves to be manipulated and used and kept in fearful bondage to Satan. Right? The scriptures say Jesus translated us out of the kingdom of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his dear son. Right? That's what Father God has done for us. He has translated us out of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his dear son. So we're not going to choose to go back into darkness. So after we've made the choice to get our thinking right, the second thing we're going to do is we're going to enter into praise and thanksgiving. Getting our thinking right is understanding. Understanding who we are. Right? Praise and thanksgiving is application. When we talked about those two sets of scriptures go hand in hand. Spiritual understanding, understanding the kingdom. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And then part B, faith without works is dead. If we have a knowledge of the aspect of the kingdom, but we do not put action behind what we say we know, it's useless to us. We get our thinking right. We make a choice. I am the righteousness of Christ. Colossians 1, 21 and 22 says that Jesus died so that I would be made blameless without spot and blemish. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, I've been made the righteousness of God in him. Hebrews 10.20 says, you've been made sanctified and holy once and for all. Right? That's spiritual understanding of what took place. That's part A, get our thinking right. Apprehend the truth of the kingdom. Part B is application. Application, guys, is always going to boil down to praise and thanksgiving. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, ceasing, in everything give thanks. Why? Because this is the will of our Father. It's talking about Praise and thanksgiving. And the reason why that is, guys, to understand this so this doesn't become dead works, praise and thanksgiving declare the truth that no matter what, God loves us and he has his divine seal set over us. Being thankful for what God made us, the gift of righteousness he gave us, for loving us unconditionally. That's thanksgiving. We are declaring that we believe what his word says. That's works. That is the works of our faith. Declaration. Thanksgiving is an action. It requires movement. It requires action in our heart and expression in our mouth and our tongue and our body. That's faith with works. Praise is to put our mind, will, and our emotions. It's to come into alignment with what our spirit man already knows. Holy Spirit lives in our spirit. We're spirit beings. It's our soul that submits. And when we enter into praise and thanksgiving, we are saying to our soul, you are going to come into alignment with what I have decided is true. I know what the scriptures say. I've been given spiritual kingdom understanding. Now I'm going to apply it through praise and thanksgiving. And it locks everything into a right alignment. And the spirit of God is now free to fulfill the prophetic word Jesus says, he who believes in me from his innermost man will flow rivers of life. The rivers of life reside in our spirit, man, and the Holy Spirit is waiting for our soul, our beliefs, to submit and come into alignment, and it opens up like the canals 
of locks that lets the water rush through. And finally, it's an expression in our body. How will it express in our body? What are our actions? What's our conduct? Our five physical senses, how we interact with this realm, with every stranger, every member of the body of Christ. When we lay hands upon someone, we are releasing the love of God. We're praying for someone. When we love someone unconditionally, praise and thanksgiving brings our soul under alignment. It is the application of what we just moments ago said. Lord, I'm going to choose to, to agree that you're not the liar, that Satan is the liar. The spirit of offense, guys, draws its power from a person or group of people who do not know the love of God in at least one area of their heart, and it starts with our own identity. It means we haven't embraced that we're fully pleasing to Father God. We haven't been spiritually taught. We haven't dug into the scriptures and began to confess them and accept them that it's true yet for ourselves. And we haven't embraced the truth that our self-worth cannot go up or down. It's not meant to come from where other people think of us. Proverbs 19.11, we'll close with this, guys, a couple of verses to meditate on. A man's discretion makes him slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook a transgression. James 1.19, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. See, Proverbs 19.11, guys, and James 1.19, once again, they give a spiritual understanding. They're explaining how things operate in the kingdom and how they'll operate through us or are meant to operate through us. But understanding how to do it, how are we slow to anger? How are we quick to overlook a transgression? How is it that we can love without ceasing according to 1 Corinthians 13? How do we apply what the scriptures are giving us understanding about? That is found through praise and thanksgiving by confessing 2 Corinthians 5.21, for he has made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Hebrews 10.10, by which we were sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. 1 Corinthians 6.11, for you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Guys, let that sink in. If we've been justified and made blamely and holy, that if we're fully pleasing the eyes of the Father, our self-worth can't get any higher than that. Our self-worth is filled up in the eyes of Father God, and it can never change because he, nature never changes. He has given us an eternal gift. We've been clothed in Jesus' righteousness and identity, which means our worth is forever settled. The only reason why we have salvation, I've said this before to us, is because we've been made righteous. We cannot say I've received his salvation, but I can't accept righteousness. That's to reject the cross. So, spirit of offense, let's sum this up. What is it? It's to be offended or annoyed or, or hurt by a perceived insult. Its purpose is to sow division and the atmosphere of death and demonic cohorts around us. It brings division. It makes us in unable to flow in the love and the nature of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the house divided cannot stand. The doorway is through choosing to believe the lie that our self-worth comes from something we can do or what other people think of us. We overcome it in the two steps. One, get our thinking right and begin getting into the scriptures. If we don't have, guys, at least a half a dozen scriptures at our fingertips, to recite over our soul how we are fully loved and pleasing, that we are the redeemed, that we live in the new covenant, that the Holy Spirit is in us, that we're fully pleasing, that our identity and self-worth are forever settled in the eyes of our Father, we need to dig into some, some scriptural understanding because then we can begin to enter into praise and thanksgiving. We can apply those truths to bring our soul into alignment, which brings freedom it brings self-deliverance. It brings a release from every form of oppression. There's so much sickness and disease in the body of Christ. And, and, and many, many, many times when I'm laying hands upon someone, 
The spiritual root to that physical affliction comes from a poisoned soul, a bitter root judgment, a lie that has been sown and is beginning to to grow into a full-fledged tree bearing bad fruit in our innermost being. Again, guys, please hear me. False doctrines have taught condemnation and shame. There's none in the kingdom. If we would get back to reading the Gospels through the eyes of love, through the nature of Jesus, we'd see he challenged us constantly so that we would embrace deep intimacy with him. He challenged us in love. Look at the parables. Read all the times where he forgave and he loved. The people that he showed his sternness on, right, the Pharisees, he didn't love them any less, guys. But he refuted their words so that the audience that was hungry would hear truth. So you got I'll end with this. When Satan was lying to Eve, Adam was not deceived. The scriptures make that very clear. Adam kept his mouth shut and exposed Eve's flank to being deceived and to entering into spiritual death because Adam said nothing. Because while Eve was being deceived, Adam was counting the cost of trying to find worth and identity apart from what God gave him. Adam silently looked on and said, man, he's being deceived. She's got no clue how Satan's lying to her. But in his own mind, he's thinking, I can know something and I can have an existence apart from what God has given me. Guys, the scriptures say wickedness abounds because the just do nothing. Judgment is not executed swiftly. When we do not judge a lying word that's spoken to our minds, we enter into corruption. We enter into wickedness. We enter into bondage. And that's the, that's the MO of the spirit of offense. So it's simple stuff, guys. None of this is, is rocket science. None of this is difficult. The kingdom is meant to be simple. Um, you know, we try to mystify it. And uh, the scriptures say that he will put his spirit in our mind in Ezekiel. He will write his law, which is love, Right? It's not the Mosaic Law. He didn't say he was going to write the Mosaic Law in Ezekiel 31, 30, oh, excuse me, Jeremiah 31, 33. He said, I will put my law, my nature, my covenant, that's love, I will write it on their heart and I will place it in their mind. We have the ability to partner intimately with the Lord because the Holy Spirit resides in our spirit man. We just got to let it out, guys. Simple stuff. Love all you guys. I'm excited. I hope this blessed some of you. Please feel free to continue to reach out and, and check out my blog. And um, there's some more meat of the word that I'm teaching on and I'm sharing that I hope is a blessing in this generation for those that are looking to embrace all of what God has for us, all of what Jesus offered us. Salvation is the beginning. It's not the end. So, Dorothy, anything, any questions on your end? Any comments anything uh, you'd like to share? I just, you know how I like to extrapolate what I'm learning. And I'm just seeing the spirit of offense mopping the floor with our political system, with our country. You know, we've got people taking offense over things that just don't need to be taken offense at. You know, it's just, and look at the division. Well, it's expected from the world because the scriptures say that, the, that Satan has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. And the carnal-minded man will never submit to the things of God. Only the, the Holy Spirit empowering us can change us. So it's to be expected from the lost. Um, but the church is meant to walk in the nature of God and the new covenant law of love and to move in discernment and to be shrewd and yet innocent and, and pure and holy um, as the Lord Jesus Christ. So we just have to make some adjustments. We've got to make some challenging course adjustments. 2018 is going to be continuing 
of what God started in the past uh, couple of years. Um, he's separating the wheat from the chaff. He is separating those that want to enter into great intimacy. For those that don't, he, he, he goes to plan B, which is mercy. He goes toward um, his faithfulness because the scriptures say he will never forsake his children. So we enter into mercy. And mercy is a wonderful aspect of his nature of love, but it's not his highest calling. His highest calling for his children is intimacy. And where we don't have intimacy, uh, we have to rely more and more and more upon his mercy. A little tangent, we'll get into that. But the next couple of weeks, we'll be talking about some prophetic insights for 2018. We will start going back to some things we shared from 2015, uh, seeing how those things have come to pass and how they've, um, they're continuing to unfold. And we're continuing to move right along with what God is doing uh, in the church and in this nation and in this world. So um, looking forward to that. And you can also, for, for those of you that are interested, have a heart into what God's doing. and can see a systematic timeline into, into things and some of the things that I've shared as, as one member of the body of Christ. You can go to dwmurray.com. Uh, there's a section called Understanding the Times. And I continue to share, as the Lord has allowed me to share, about what he's doing, his refining that starts in the church and um, his plans and what, how they're going to continue to unfold. So um, hope that blesses those of you that have that on your heart. So God bless. Good night. Dorothy, good night. Thank you as always for allowing me the honor and the privilege to, to come on here and serve the body of Christ and to share a small part. Uh, and um, I will catch up with all of you guys in a couple of weeks. Thank you, David. Good God night. Bless, Dorothy. Have a good night. Good night, body of Christ. Love you all. This has been Zeal Fear House. I'm David Murray and I'm joined with Dorothy Carruthers. We were hope that you were blessed by this week's broadcast. Again, if this was your first time, please stop by my website at www.dwmurray.com. That's D-W-M-U-R-R-Y.com for additional teachings and insights. God bless you, and until next time, please dare to accept the fact that your heavenly dad loves you deeply.